Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's July 23rd, 1973, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ollie, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that Alan Fluff Freeman hosted the first ever Radio 1 Roadshow. It was in Newquay. And if you don't know what any of those words mean that I've just said, then there's going to be lots in this episode that will baffle you, but we will try and explain. <laughs> Basically, like in the early 70s, the BBC was worried that it was a too London-centric, which was obviously quite true at the time. There wasn't that much regional representation. And so they decided that Radio 1, which is the music station for young people, should go around the country visiting different towns. I've got an amazing quote here from Johnny Beerling, who was the Radio 1 executive who came up with the idea. The day had started badly, as Alan Harris, the engineer, had not brought a long enough mains cable to reach from a local cafe to where we were to get our power. The the vehicle they were doing it out of literally looks like an ice cream van. Yes. I thought it was going to be a, a massive stage. I think it's worth remembering, though, what big stars those Radio 1 DJs were at the time. So we're talking in the 70s and 80s. Noel Edmonds presented Swap Shop on a Saturday morning. Gary Davies and Bruno Brooks were the guys who presented Top of the Pops. Yeah, just the scale of Radio 1 itself. In 1970, it was the most listened to radio station in the world with audiences of more than 10 million people. That, at the time, is one in every five British people. And an almost exclusively male lineup, Rebecca. On the schedule, it was mostly men. I think at the Radio 1 Roadshow, entirely male presenters. It's easy to imagine, isn't it? The culture of you've got these superstar DJs, all of them male, rocking up into these small towns that don't really see a lot of exciting national level action. And the girls going wild. And it's just, there was something about the optics that did not sit right with me. I saw a clip of Chris Evans and somebody who I didn't recognise, and you guys would probably be furious with rage that I didn't recognise who this person was. But anyway, he's saying, oh, what time did you go to bed? And he says, oh, like half past three or something. And he says, no, it was quarter to four because you were with my accountant and a couple of girls. And I was like, ugh. Yeah, man. Yeah, the boys club of it all sounds pretty horrendous. But there's this story about Smiley Miley. His name was actually Tony Miles. He oversaw production for the whole shindig winning Steve Wright's son in a game of cards. Where, <laughs> this is taking a turn. Where, it's just whoever draws the biggest card wins. So first they're betting to win a holiday paid by the other person and then Smiley Miley wins it and then they did another hand and it was to for Steve Wright's car. He wins his car. They did another one and it was for a trip to New York and then ultimately Steve writes, screw it, I'm putting my son in the mix and and they and they draw cards and Smiley Miley won his kid Tommy. So Tommy belongs technically <laughs> to Smiley Miley. I'm not sure that's enforceable by law but the <laughs> legal fact about Smiley Miley that I found absolutely fascinating was that he had the exclusive deal on the Radio 1 merch that they used to shill at the roadshow. So like you say, his real name was Tony Miles. He was just a roadie. He provided the caravan, basically, for the first ever Radio 1 roadshow. And then, as the show became popular, they needed someone to tour around with this thing. And, and over time, he got bigger trucks, like you said. And he became an onstage character, because he did the warm-up. And then he said to the BBC, 
do you know what? I'm throwing out these t-shirts. The crowd love it. Would it be okay if I knock some off the back of my van and sell them as well? And they basically said, sure. I don't know what the terms of that deal was. But what's extraordinary is he still owns the rights to the Radio 1 Roadshow merch and is still selling it on eBay. And like I found this brilliant description in uh, John Peel's autobiography where he was talking about when the roadshow came to Leicester in 1978, which he described as something out of Dante. And he, he describes this scene of the Bay City Rollers were arriving to this island. That is, that is the, the perfect Radio 1 Roadshow act, by the way, the Bay City Rollers. Yeah. It's just Isn't exactly it? like on the Venn diagram yeah. of like cheap and cheerful, but also right. massive stars at the time. So in this story, they've arranged for the Bay City Rollers to turn up in this helicopter, land on an island in the middle of a lake. And as they do so, like just hundreds of teenage girls throw themselves into the water and have to be rescued by the on-hand frogmen who, who were standing by to police race that was going on the same lake that they were doing simultaneously. And so in John Peel's story, he picks up saying, So hurtling back and forth on the pellucid waters of the lake was a speedboat, and in the speedboat was Tony Blackburn waving to the crowd. The speedboat was piloted by a womble. Look at this and marvel, I murmured to Johnny Walker. You will never see anything like this again i just love that image of like a speedboat driven by a womble and these kids in the water being rescued by frogman like chaos and rubbish actually again you have to bear in mind this is the era of punk rock if you're the sex pistols you must be torn mustn't you because on the one hand 15 and a half million people hear it go out on radio one on the other hand you're literally on stage with the wombles for a long time i think they struggled to get credible music artists I mean, as far as i can tell the biggest act to play the Radio 1 Roadshow was the Spice Girls. But even at the time it started, it was already a, a bit behind the cutting edge of culture. In 1973, you could see the Dark Side of the Moon tour. Led Zeppelin were on tour, the Rolling Stones, uh, Ziggy Stardust. This was a huge year for music. I suppose they were going to where the audience were, though, and that's different too, isn't it? There were people for whom that was their summer holiday, like two weeks in mm. Skegness or Scarborough. I saw a, a clip where Jeff Simpson, who used to be head of press at Radio 1, said the culture on the roadshow was that you had to wear shorts. Even though in loads of the clips you can see umbrellas up while these DJs <laughs> are prancing around in their shorts. And apparently most of the DJs hated the roadshow because it was gruelling. You were literally going from town to town every single day, broadcasting live and trying to entertain a huge live crowd, which isn't necessarily a skill set that a radio DJ naturally has. The biggest event they ever did was in Sutton Park in Birmingham in 1992 when 100,000 people showed up. For the To be fair, that one had some decent bands of the era, Aswad and The Farm and Status Quo and Elementary. Even so, basically, to go and watch Simon Mayo spin discs is absolutely extraordinary. It's man walking on that stage, hearing that scream when you're used to being by yourself. And it must be the same for the contemporary era of celebrity built on TikTok or built on YouTube or whatever, that, that these people become massive stars with millions of followers, probably don't get to see their fans until they're, I don't know, swamped in the street or turn up to some late night club appearance or whatever. It's amazing, though, that the merchandise was the thing that seemed to get as many people turning up as the music, the chance to own a 1FM Roadshow t-shirt. So I've been on eBay and I've looked into some Radio <laughs> 1 Roadshow merch. I thought we could play Guess the Price. Okay. Oh, nice. So God. what's it worth now? A laminated 1992 backstage pass for the Radio 1 Roadshow. What's the buy it now price, Rebecca? <laughs> 
sixteen pounds and eighty-seven pence. Lower. It's a tenner. It I doesn't th- get you anywhere, so I think you're still <laughs> losing out at a tenner. That's true. Okay. One FM beach ball from Smiley Miley's shop. So this is something that he's still making. <laughs> Because <laughs> he has the license, but isn't an authentic, wasn't there at the time, beach ball. Just for the sort of quirky weirdness of this ancient age oldy thing, I'd pay £15. Bang on, that. Arian. 15 quid is Boom. exactly what it retails for. See, Smiley Miley is a smart entrepreneur, is he not? I, I, he, he saw you coming, Arian. Okay, final, final one. Higher or lower? Uh, a Radio 1 Roadshow 1970s sealed eraser rubber with the 275-285 frequency emblazoned upon it. Still sealed. Still sealed in the bag. From the 70s. No From way. the 70s, a genuine, but it is just a rubber for a pencil. <laughs> Ollie, stop it. Stop with your negativity. This is the best rubber we've ever heard of. Higher. Oh, 20 pounds. You're both right. It is higher, and it's more than 20 pounds. Second guess? 10,000 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve writes some. It's <laughs> 40, 40 quid. 40 quid for a rubber yeah it's not just Smiley Miley who's, who keeps making bank out of this it's the regional newspapers as well don't know if you came across this in your any of your googlings but if you google Radio 1 Roadshow mm. probably 99 of the top 100 articles are just Grimsby Telegraph remembering when the roadshow came to Grimsby in 1994 oh my god it's such rubbish nostalgia though it's, no and that's it quite is... nice that's genuine they wouldn't print it if people didn't click it people have no, fond memories not, that doesn't mean it's good no <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't mean it's good. And also the like the stories that they're telling aren't the fun ones, like when Paul Burnett almost died after he swallowed a wasp during a recording in nineteen seventy eight. <laughs> they're telling the stories of like when the their their nan dropped them off at the car park and it were, and the puddles were too big and they had to hop across and then their sh- shorts got drenched and they ended up <laughs> not getting a photo with a womble. <laughs> Next time. Simlish from The Sims apparently is also a made-up language that has some sort of logic to it. Love the show? Support the show! Patreon.com slash Retrospectors Part of the ACAST Creator Network When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.